Have you ever looked at an institution in society and thought, can't we just do better? My guest today, Alex Corin, did just that. And her company, Wambi, is part of a much needed revolution that is gaining momentum in the healthcare system. This is the Supergivers Podcast. Yeah, with all of that setup, Alex, I'm, I'm really grateful for you to be joining me today. So thank you so much. Grateful to be here. Yeah. So like I said, why don't we just jump in and if you can give a really clear overview of what Wambi does, that would be awesome. Absolutely. So Wambi is a performance and recognition system that is entirely informed by real-time patient and family feedback. So essentially what we do is we provide a medium for patients and families to leave reviews on the folks that they come into contact with while they're in the hospital or the outpatient setting or even in a home setting. And what's really special about that is those reviews fuel this appreciation and gratitude platform. So caregivers for the first time are receiving tons of positive um, letters and sediments from their patients and families that really uplifts them and motivates them to provide the highest quality care on an ongoing basis. So it's really a, a feedback system to help provide some juice back into the people who who are, as as you and I both know, often well overworked and and absolutely trying to function in this hard system. Hmm. I mean, if you think about you can't pour your cup when it's empty. So it's definitely, I love how you said the juice word. You got to fill up their cups because they're doing some really um, incredible and also very difficult work. And whatever we can do to inspire them and motivate them to continue on that path is um, everything for the patient and family experience. How did you yourself decide that this was such an important need? Yeah, so um, I had um, many experiences over the course of um, my entire life, really since I was three years old, um, in hospitals um, with caregivers, um, with caregivers in my home, and um, in various rehab facilities, because both of my parents suffered from chronic illnesses, and all of those experiences um, made me feel a really strong love and um, respect for caregivers, because in a sense, they were always that rock when um, I needed it most. And um, those experiences led me to want to do something in healthcare, and I wasn't sure exactly what, but um, one thing led to another, and I ended up becoming the director of patient experience in an inpatient setting. Mm -hmm. And while I was doing that work, although I was really um, motivated to get to the bottom of how I could impact patients and families at the the grandest scale possible, I realized very early on that in order to really have a meaningful impact, I had to redirect my efforts to the caregivers themselves, um, really because they were the heart of the patient experience. And what I mean by that, and from my own personal experiences, and I'm sure many people can relate to this, when you're a family member or yourself, when you're in a very vulnerable state, and let's just say a nurse comes in the room and they treat you like their own family member and they give you all of this compassion and love and they care for you and you don't feel like another number, another bed. Um, it makes a significant difference. And and the opposite is true too, where if you feel like you're not their priority and there's other things going on and you're just trying to get information and you feel like you have no one to talk to, it can get really scary. And, um, and so being able to provide that transparency is such a huge um, piece of the equation to um, really making a difference. And so when I redirected my efforts to the caregivers, I wanted to understand their perspective in this journey. 
And I knew from these big executive level meetings about how turnover was a huge pain point, um, just to give you a feel. Um, hospitals on average lose um, just for one RN, one registered nurse, $55,000 to have to replace them. And the national, um, with the national RN turnover rate, each hospital on average loses $6 million a year due to turnover. So from a numbers perspective, it's killing them. But even from a continuity of care perspective and having to use agency nurses, it can get really um, hard um, to provide high quality care to patients and families. And the other thing that I was experiencing while working there was this um, ongoing burnout and this low morale that was very, very apparent and so I thought, why not just have some candid conversations and try to get to the bottom of it from their perspective? Because I knew the pain from an executive level, but I didn't, I didn't know what the caregivers were going through. And so I started to ask them and all different types of caregivers from nurses to physicians to um, EVS and dietary to the monitor techs. And it was really interesting and um, upsetting. But what I started to hear sounded similar across the board. And it was that they didn't feel recognized for the work that they were doing and they didn't feel seen. So what was happening was one out of a hundred times, um, they would get feedback from a patient that would go up to a manager and typically it was a complaint that would rise through the ranks. And then the manager would be confronting the, the caregiver for the first time in, in quite some time about their performance. And it was about something negative. And this is not to say that managers aren't doing everything in their power to um, to help and to do the work that they're doing, but it's difficult when only negative things are coming to their attention. And so there was this constant negative feedback loop that was going on that was very demoralizing for caregivers. And so what I was feeling was, how can we capture those 99% of moments that happen at the bedside, behind the curtain, when no one is watching, that really are so special. And I know this firsthand, how special those moments can be. And these, these, these folks are angels and they're, and they're, they're heroes. And, um, and so I thought, okay, well, why don't just, why don't I try to find a recognition system out there that'll help them realize how incredible they are. And, um, when I looked for recognition systems in the marketplace, I first looked in the healthcare space, couldn't really find much, but even across all industries, um, the only ones that I could find were solely based in peer to peer recognition and top down management recognition. And what they lacked was the, the voice of the patients and families or in any other industry, the, the voice of the customer. And so um, when I asked the various systems that did the peer-to-peer -peer recognition, I'm like, can you guys build this? And they said, no. I was like, well, we need this to happen. So um, ended up getting um, funding from the organization to um, build out this concept and interviewed tons of developers and development groups to um, try to find the right team to bring this to life. And I was finally lucky enough to meet Dave Jones, who's my co-founder and our chief technology officer. And um, a little bit of background about him because the stars really aligned. He was the lead developer of eBay of the UK. So when they went public, he semi-retired in Florida, which is where I was living at the time. And I had the chance to meet with him in person. And when I explained the mission and vision for this platform, he immediately got it um, because his mom and sister are nurses. And he wanted to make that impact um, just as much as I did. And so we joined forces um, along with a ton of developers that he had working underneath him at the time. And I basically served as a vessel in the organization to interview um, the frontline staff, the patients, the families, the executives, um, really every single um, piece of the puzzle within the organization so that we could build something that wouldn't interrupt their existing workflow and would meet their needs. And um, when we rolled it out, we saw unbelievable results to the point where different 
um, industry leaders started to ask us how we were accomplishing those results. And um, when we realized we had something special, we ended up breaking off as a separate technology company. We rebuilt the platform from the ground up to make it um, scalable. And um, since then, we've had the honor of working with some of the nation's um, largest and most renowned healthcare systems and continue to improve upon the technology. So it is um, exactly what they need it to be. You're saying you're, you're seeing so many results. How do you measure the results and what are you, what are you actually seeing as the benefits so far? Definitely. So with Wambi, we focus on um, a few different areas. Um, one is patient satisfaction. So um, that is measured via the HCAP survey. And so a little bit of background about the HCAP survey um, for those who aren't super plugged into the healthcare world. It's a survey that's um, deemed mandatory by CMS um, and the government. And what happens is after a patient is discharged, after a period of time, they receive this paper survey in the mail. It is so long and um, it's very um, general. So questions about your physicians overall, your nurses overall, the environment, the general experience. And then when you fill out that survey and you submit it, which by the way, has a very, very low response rate, um, that is what goes into the reimbursements for the hospital. So 30% of the reimbursements um, from Medicare and Medicaid come from their HCAP scores on patient satisfaction. And so um, healthcare systems really live and breathe by these numbers because they're, of course, very important for the reputation, but also very important from a reimbursements perspective. And of course, it's the best thing for the patients and families. You want to know that you're doing the right thing for them. And so what we do is we provide that real-time feedback um, so that you can make actionable data-driven decisions in the moment and therefore elevate your HCAP scores um, before they come out. Because the other thing about the HCAP scores is they're several weeks delayed. So by the time you find out um, what how you did, it's very hard to make um, meaningful changes because there's such a delay that 20% of the staff might not even be there anymore, or it's a very general um, interpretation. So for instance, the nurses scored low in communication, but when you have 750 nurses, maybe it was only two that really did a poor job, but to identify that um, becomes very challenging. And so with Wambi, we individualize that feedback on a per caregiver basis. And it's in real time, which is, of course, um, very helpful. And so HCAPS is um, one big piece of the equation. The second piece is the turnover. So I had mentioned um, the impact on, on health systems financial situation when it comes to turnover. And so what we've seen is when we create um, that sort of connection to purpose and that meaningful recognition, um, team members are more likely to be engaged and to feel good about the work that they're doing and motivated to stay. And um, the third piece is engagement. And so um, we actually administer um, pre and post um, baseline or so a baseline survey and then a post survey on engagement metrics that are um, basically self-serving. So the employee um, beforehand and after um, using Wambi for a period of time will answer questions about their engagement levels. Um, so yeah, those are the three major areas, I would say. To help me connect it to the systemic challenges we have in U.S. healthcare at this point, in, in any way that feels relevant to you, I guess, and what you're working on, because I know it's super big and challenging question. Well, I mean, it, it is a huge question, but I also think the reason why we've had so much success is because it's a simple answer. And that is remembering that um, the people caring for patients are humans too. And we have to care for them if we want our patients to have the best possible experiences. And so um, 
I mean, a big reason why healthcare professionals get into the work that they do um, a lot of the time is because they want to help other people and they can do that in many different ways, whether it's being supportive or it's actually helping them from a medical standpoint or a combination of the two or just um, maybe their own personal experience with a family member um, that was healed by the healthcare system or maybe had a really negative experience and they want to make a difference and make sure it doesn't happen to someone else. And so what's really special about Wambi is we're collecting this overwhelmingly amount of sediments that come from patients and families that are so incredible. And sometimes it's not even a huge thing, right? It's not like you saved my life, but it could be something like you were there to hold my hand at a time where I was scared and alone and I didn't know what was going to happen. Or you were there when, or maybe it was someone in housekeeping that came in and would sing songs to them every single day because it put a smile on their face. It's like, there are these beautiful moments that happen when people are in the most vulnerable states and that changes everything because at least, you know, we can't control the chaos that happens in our lives, right? Like life is by nature chaotic, but you can control the way you react to that. And it's really hard to control it when you don't have a support system. And even being a family member, it's really hard to be that rock because you're just as scared. So when you have folks that are there for you that are like they're assuring you, they're loving, they're caring, they're there, they're listening, they're hearing your concerns, and they're providing as much as they can in that moment. I mean, that's everything. Yeah. I mean, one way or another, I'm sure a good percentage of people who are in a hospital setting are having a a pretty life-changing experience, um, or at least least something that's going to be significant in their timeline. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think... um, being able to provide that positive feedback loop also inspires and motivates folks to p- continue to pay attention to those moments because sometimes you go in with this fresh perspective. You're so excited to have an impact and to really help people. And then after 10 years, when you're feeling overworked and underappreciated and stressed and burnt out, you sometimes lose sight of why you're doing the work that you're doing. And so to have those reminders and to, to remember how much of an impact you're having and giving patients and families an easy way to let them know that, um, that has a huge impact because then they're, they're realizing how important the work is that they're doing. And then therefore they're becoming more mindful of it and they're continuing to do that work ongoingly. Sure. Yeah. So you're, you're really describing the feedback loop between the largely patient and extended extensions of the patient's world to the direct caregivers. And I'm wondering from your experience and your perspective, what else you can see about this system that could, yeah, that could help support sustainability and quality of care? Yeah. Well, I think that we're starting to take steps in the right direction from the fee-for-service model to value-based care. And in saying that, it's really just about aligning the incentives in the right way. So um, up until somewhat recently in history, it was the sort of sick model approach where it was the the sicker the patients were, the more money the hospitals made. And um, what's been great as we're transitioning into this value-based care model, um, where now the healthier patients are and the better the care is that is delivered to them, the more money the hospitals make. So I think that in itself shifts um, the perspective and the incentives of the organization. So therefore, the decisions that they're making are for the right reasons. So I think that's huge step for us. Huge. 
huge. Yeah. That, I mean, I just want to stop you there. That's a game changer, right? So for, it is. for people who may, may have a sense of this, could you slow it down enough to just describe like a little bit more about what a values, values-based care system is and how we might recognize it working? Yeah. Um, so it's easier to explain it in the way that it was and then compare it to where we're at now. So the way that it was, was if you think about it, a patient comes into the hospital and for every single procedure and thing that is done to that patient, they're getting dinged. Basically like a code is being, um, written up. And for every single code that's being written up, the hospital's getting paid. So you can imagine that if you're going in and they're saying, well, you really need this procedure and this procedure. And by the way, this is wrong with you. Um, all those things are making the hospital money versus now the incentive for the hospital is let's do whatever we can to keep this patient as healthy as possible. It's also, let's be preventative. Let's look into community outreach and, and things that we partnerships that we can have to help prevent people from even coming into the hospital, um, which is very similar to the, the Kaiser Permanente model, which is a brilliant model, which is really the gold standard for um, many organizations. Um, the Kaiser Permanente model is essentially, it's like you're a lifetime member. And so the less times um, you're coming in for problems, really the, the more money they're making. So they're trying to do everything to keep you active, um, being healthy, making good lifestyle choices. Um, but in general, hospitals are somewhat in between those two, I guess, in the spectrum. And um, and what's really special about this now is that their reimbursements are based on um, these few um, key areas. So patient satisfaction is one of them, which is huge, huge step for healthcare because yeah. before that, I mean, the, the patient satisfaction was just, are you, are you going to find out how they're doing? Because it's the right thing to do, but now it's actually impacting the bottom line. So it's no longer that low on the totem pole in terms of priorities. It's about 30% of their reimbursements, patient satisfaction. And, um, and then there's quality measures. So they're looking at things like readmissions, um, hospital acquired conditions and infections. So it incentivizes folks to wash their hands and, um, and turn the patients in the bed more frequently because, again, all these best practices come into play when it's impacting their bottom line. So um, that was a huge step. Now, that being said, changing behavior to catch up to this big um, policy change is, is huge, right? It's not an overnight um, sort of event. So um, I would yeah. say the challenges that present themselves now are the fact that there's just a lack of transparency. So not only from a patient satisfaction perspective, but actually from what's happening day to day in the units um, and being able to operationalize better processes to ensure that those things are going to get better over time. And um, I mean, there's also, I mean, personally, I think shifts are too long. I think 12 hour shifts are, are crazy. It's crazy. Um, some people, some people like them. Um, some people like the flexibility in their schedule to be able to work three days, not work four days. But then you also have caregivers that are taking on extra shifts at different hospitals because they're trying to make more money. And so then you have sometimes caregivers working way too many days a week for way too many hours. And it, you're, it's just there's no way your brain could possibly be functioning at a high enough level at that point. So um, there's definitely room for improvement um, in, in that arena. But I would say that what's really exciting from a patient satisfaction perspective, too, is that now you see titles like chief patient experience officer, chief experience officer, chief um, human experience officer, where there's um, actual leaders that have the sole responsibility of thinking about the experience of patients and sometimes team members within the organization. And so that in itself shifts um, many, many things that otherwise weren't even looked at before. 
So is this shift driven by federal policy or private or how, how is this happening? I would say a big piece of it definitely has to do with the fact that moving towards value-based care and the reimbursement structure definitely, I think, um, pushed things in a more like firm way where they're happening more seriously. And now it's really just becoming a movement where when you see organizations that don't have a patient experience department, it's usually that they're they're aware that they need one and the fact that they don't have one, they're trying to fill in the gaps. So it, it's a standard that's really happened quite recently. I would say a few years ago, it was a lot less frequent. Now it's pretty much expected. And um, I would say in the next three years, it would be expected that almost every hospital would have a patient experience department. It's wonderful, right? It's just aligning the best interest of everybody instead of having those interests in competition, isn't it? Right, exactly. So a promising future. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Who would you credit with sort of starting to turn the tide on this? You said it's fairly recent. You know, it's a good question. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say I have all the answers in terms yeah. of like the policy that everything that went into making this happen. Okay. Um, so I, yeah, I wouldn't really want to speak to that. That's, just because that's I fine. Yeah. Know. yeah. Oh, that's so great to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about it too. I mean, timing is everything. And I think people sometimes ask, like, how do you think you, you all have become so successful so quickly? And I mean, the number one thing that I've learned from Ted talks and books is timing is everything. And I think our timing couldn't have been um, more perfect because the expectation and the standard, um, like the terminology that we use now, like patient experience, um, employee engagement, all of these things are trending now, but they were not trending a few years ago. No, it was essentially a model that was, you know, the, the patient's well-being could often be compromised, even if not maliciously, right? But just like you were in competition with being reimbursed per intervention, uh, like you said, you know, per coding versus like, let's get reimbursed based on the outcome for the patient, yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> which, mm-hmm. which sounds obvious, but it, you know, we could have a whole study and people, people are doing it and have done it about the origin of the, the, the modern medical system and how it's right. transforming, which is, which is wonderful to see. Yeah. Cause there's some serious, serious problems. So my mom passed away two, almost two years ago in May on, um, from lymphoma. And when she died on the last day of her life, she'd come through this long epic battle, which was like what I got exposed to, which was a lot of just the like complications due to intervention. And then the interventions trying to patch holes. Right. <laughs> and, right. and, and I think it was like, sincerely, they were trying to do the best they could with what they had. And eventually she came out of that and she said, I want to go to hospice. And she went to hospice and she was in hospice for one day and there was this amazingly kind respiratory therapist Mm -hmm. and my mom had not you know she hadn't been outside in since she'd been admitted so many months and this man was so kind enough to put her he had to go through all this kind of extra work is is my Mm -hmm. point to get her Mm -hmm. outside for like 10 minutes and she was able to look at some of the local foliage which she you know spent years gardening and it was wonderful and she passed away like two hours later and Mm -hmm. this and this guy didn't have to do that he made like all this extra work for himself to do that and just sat there and let us be outside as a family and the first person after she passed away that my sister and I wanted to acknowledge was him, even though he was there for like an hour of the, the two months. <laughs> yeah. And so I, he's the only one whose name I remember. 
right? And yeah. and I I so badly want him to know how powerful that was that we got to spend those 15 minutes with her, you know, watching her smile and comment on the on the foliage. So I I can I can mm. speak firsthand to how important that feels to have the system set up that you have. Yeah, and I, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. And um hits home for yeah. sure. Yeah. And yeah, I mean it's those moments. It's like those moments make it count. Make a time that is inevitable, right? We're all going to experience those challenging um experiences and and when we're not well or someone that we love isn't well. And there's really not much we can do about it, especially at the point that your mom was at. And so at least to make those last moments really meaningful and moments that you can hold on to forever. I mean, it's, it's everything. Yeah. And you didn't have to do it he easily could have come into the work that day and, you know, had a slightly less generous mood and right. not even offered and we would have all missed out, you know? So yeah, it's important for people to be acknowledged that they know that little effort is worth it, right? Yeah. It's hard to lose a mom. There's no one like mom. <laughs> no one like mom. I used to have um, a little painting on my door when I lived with my mom at home and it said, um, home is where your mom is. <laughs> <laughs> and when my mom passed, I, I took that little painting and I put it in my car and anywhere I drove, I always had it in my car. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> home is where my mom is in my car. <laughs> huh. <laughs> <laughs> my gosh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back on when you started this, right? What would you, the you that started down this path in order to help her create as much of an impact as possible? So at first I would share that you just have to start no matter where that is. I think a big fear that people have, at least that I had was where do I begin? And getting stuck on where to begin actually ends up holding you back because there's no right place to start. Anywhere you start is the right place because then at that point you start to figure everything else out. And, um, a big obstacle for me in the beginning was feeling like the product was ready. And then I read books from various entrepreneurs and that's always, it's like this common thread where you never feel like it's ready. And I was really grateful for my partner and co-founder, who's our, our CEO, Rebecca Metter, because she really pushed me to say, you know what, we have to, br we have to bring this to market. It's never going to feel ready, but we have to just go with it. And we can always make improvements over time. And I was lucky and very fortunate in that case that I had her. But if you don't have someone like that, it is so important to let go of that control and that perfection um, seeking um, mentality because all it does is stop you from being able to create. And I think one of the most humbling experiences that I've had in this journey is that, yes, I had the seed for the vision, but really the vision has become this collaborative um, masterpiece of all the various folks either on our team or both on our team and also the, the various folks in the organizations we've worked with that have come together to um, share their ideas and, um, and put their special touch on it that makes it what it is. And so if you keep it to yourself for so long because you're waiting for it to be perfect, 
you miss the opportunity for everyone else to contribute their magic. And I think that team approach is really what makes it resonate with as many people as possible and impact as many people as possible. Yeah. And you're, you're speaking to hopefully in my audience, there are people that are working with really inspired, but maybe, um, you know, a little bit scary, bold ideas. And I, yeah. I appreciate you being able to bring that into it, that it's really an encouragement to take action. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Put it out there and keep working on it. I was wondering if you had one anecdote that was especially inspiring so far, um, or maybe representative of the impact that Wombies had. Mm. Oh my God, I wish I had like a care postcard. Um, those are like the letters of appreciation that come from the patients and families via the platform mm. that I could read prepared, but I don't have one mm. right now. Um, but I can just share that recently I was, um, giving a presentation at a launch for, um, a, a massive hospital that we're working with. They have about 7,000 team members and, um, their president was there to, um, explain um, Wambi and all the work that we've done to their um, their leadership team in the audience. And they had invited 10 caregivers from the previous month of feedback that had come through the platform since we had launched um, a month before to recognize them. And before I even walked into the auditorium, I'm starting to see everyone fill in and take their seats. And I start to see little kids coming in and family members coming in that aren't dressed up in, in uniform from, mm. from the organization. And I'm like, oh, my God, people's families are here. Mm. And then everyone sits down and the president gives this phenomenal speech. And then um, we I present and then the president um, gets on stage and says, and now I'd like to um, acknowledge and, and recognize these 10 caregivers that have just received the most incredible comments from their patients. And um, the caregivers had never seen these comments yet. This was the first time they were going to be seeing them and hearing them. And um, just seeing them walk on stage as these amazing notes were being read aloud about them being a force to be reckoned with or a light, um, a light for them and this time that was so hard. And like these amazing words that um, otherwise might not have ever been communicated to them. And the look on their faces when these words were being shared, it was like, it's kind of hard to explain it, but it's, it's that moment where you realize that you are what you want to be, but you didn't even know it until you heard that or saw it. And like, it's like a mini awakening because when you don't get validation for things that you do well, sometimes you just don't even know it. And especially in these types of things that they're doing are so deep and profound. And just to be able to see that and to know that their families were in the audience cheering them on. I mean, that was like, I never realized that I would get to have a moment like that to see that happen. And, um, it was just, it was really cool. Yeah. It's like, you're a, a facilitator of, of deeply meaningful acknowledgement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What does that do for your heart when you get to play that role? Oh my God, it explodes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, at one point when I got up on stage, I was about, like, I started to speak. I'm like starting to like tear up. I'm like, you guys, I'm really sorry. I don't know why this is happening right now, but this is just like a big moment. And um, I don't know, it's just like to think that you can leverage technology to 
help people have deeper human connections and facilitate gratitude, like that is really cool. Like technology has done so many things, like so many things, but I just especially get excited about the fact that it can make people feel like that to me is everything. Mm. So what do you think your parents would say to you if they could kind of like see you in this state? Mm. Well, my dad is still with us and he is my role model and um, he is very proud and he's told me and that makes me definitely feel fulfilled in my life to know that I've made my dad proud. Mm. Um, My mom is not here and, you know, I feel her with me all the time and um, I think she'd be really, really happy. And a part of me is always driven by um, her presence in a lot of ways and and what she taught me. I'd say my mom really taught me the power of compassion. My dad really taught me the power of being a fighter and never giving up. And I definitely channel those forces in the work that I do. And I'm so grateful for them. Right. It's like you've got the best of of both, you know, born born into this new project. Mm -hmm. Well, do you have any other words of encouragement for folks who want to change the world through generosity and impact? Hmm. I would say it's really important to know why you're doing what you aspire to do and then make sure that you connect to it on an extremely deep level because it is challenging And it ends up becoming, I hate to say this, but it really does. I mean, at least for me, like it's my entire life. So like, even though I do have balance and I I work to um, incorporate other aspects of my life into my life, it's not just work, um, but it is such a huge part of who I am. And I would just hope that anyone who takes on something this big is doing it because it's extremely meaningful to them. Because then at that point, it doesn't feel like work. It's just like you wake up every day and you're so excited to do whatever it is that you have to do. And no matter how challenging it is, it's just an opportunity to get better and to spark um, growth. And and you just got to love it because if not, it's not worth it. And realistically, you'll run out of energy to continue on. Awesome. So if if people want to support Wambi, what are the ways they can do that? Join our team. <laughs> we're growing, and um, we're definitely looking for um, mission-driven folks that resonate with our values. The types of folks that we want to bring on our team are those that are always trying to empower each other and are really connected to the work that we're doing, and have a sort of entrepreneurial spirit because we are still growing at a rapid rate, and there's so many things that have to be built out. And to be able to have those projects that make them your own and, and put your own spin on them is, is huge in, in the success of our company. So definitely, if you're interested in, in learning more, um, you could find us on our website, wambi.org, to potentially join us hmm. in this compassionate world domination. Hmm. <laughs> and, um, and if you're a healthcare organization and you're interested in um, learning more about our platform, you can also go to our website as well. And we'd be happy to provide you with a demonstration. If you're interested in talking to me personally, um, I'm on LinkedIn. My name is Alex Corin, A-L-E-X-C-O-R-E-N. And I would love to chat more. You can just message me. Um, I always check my messages and uh, whether it's 
you're starting out on your entrepreneurial journey or you're at a similar stage or you're further along, whatever it is, we have to stick together. Very, very important. And um, just wishing everyone the best because it makes everything worth it. So you just got to go after it because it's, it's really the best thing that you can do for your life if it's something that you're really craving. Alex Karn, Wambi.org. Thank you so much for being a guest today and for all the amazing work you're doing in the world. Thank you so much. To find out more about Alex's work, go to Wambi.org. My question for you is this. Who have you encountered recently in the health service industry who deserves recognition for their efforts? I encourage you to take action today to recognize, celebrate, and or appreciate a healthcare provider near you. This has been the Supergivers Podcast, and I'm your host and producer, Jesse Johnson. You can help me out with one of three simple actions. You can write a five-star review on iTunes, you can tell a friend about the show, or you can listen to another episode on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. You can also learn more about me and my equine-based leadership work at supergivers.com. Thanks for listening.